and welcome back to Favorite Things. This week, uh, Betsy is leading off with our choice of movies we're thankful for. And uh, what would you pick? I picked Ever After, A Cinderella Story. All right, so I'm going to let you drive the bus on this oh, one. Gosh. What's uh, I, I'll ask questions, yeah, okay. but I I want to know what what led you to pick this movie. Why why this? Well, I know I was trying to think of what movies were my ones I was thankful for, and I was having a hard time coming up with it. And then you had Spotify on in the background um, last week when they played um, a theme from the movie. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it just made me be like, oh my gosh, I really, you know, it's been a while since I've watched it. And it just kind of started making me, like, feel nostalgic to go back and revisit this movie that I have loved for a long time. So, what what do you remember about this movie? What do you remember loving about this movie? I mean, I remember the fairy tale. It's a different take on Cinderella. Um... I'm trying to remember exactly the differences on it. Uh, so I enjoy in this one that it is very much grounded in a reality. Yeah. Um, it it feels like it's meant to be more realistic. Uh, it's movie yeah. realism, but it's realism. Right. It's and not that, a fairy tale. It doesn't have the magic. I, I, I would say it's a fairy tale, but it's not a fairy tale that actually has fairies. Yeah. It's, you don't have the fairy godmother have yeah there no, there's there's no talking animals there's yeah. there's no actual magic the the magic in this movie is relationships and uh in belief and the the themes of Cinderella Cinderella versus the magic of something closer to Kenneth Branagh's Cinderella yeah. or even the 1950s film yeah um so, what else? What else do you enjoy about this? Is it is it character dynamics? Is it the setting? Is it? Can I say yes? You can say <laughs> yes. Um, I I mean it's been years and years since I've seen it. So I'm, so what was your first experience with this? I was kind of in awe of it, and I've always love good romantic movies and I've always loved movies set in like renaissance and mm-hmm. you know way ancient times I guess um I don't know if that's considered ancient but you know what I mean um <laughs> but I've always loved those kind of old like love stories and so this is just another dynamic where you take the fairy tales that you grew up with and set it in this time frame in like a real world kind of for that time mm-hmm setting instead of the, the magic you get with Disney and um, I don't know it was just always very special to me so I remember this movie for having actors and actresses in it mm-hmm. um, as all movies do but I, I remember specific actors and actresses from this film uh, one the prince in this film uh, is played by Doug Ray Scott and I remember at the time being excited because he was going to be Wolverine in the X-Men movie. <laughs> he had to drop out because shooting went long on a movie he was making into uh, into 2000, and he had to he had to bow out. and In came Hugh Jackman, and the rest is history. Yeah. 
Um, but I remember being excited at the time. I was like, oh, this guy, this guy's really watchable. He's really charming. I, yeah. I could see him being a, a lovable rogue. Um, and then, uh, my cat's purring beside me. Uh, I remember this movie having not one, but two of my teenage crushes, um, in Drew Barrymore and Melanie Linsky. Melanie Linsky is the good stepsister. Okay. The one who is very hesitant to do mean things. Brunette. Yes. Brown hair, brown eyes. Yes. I have a type. Um, but I, I remember this movie really playing with a lot of the the themes of Cinderella and I remember enjoying it because it was different. At the time I saw this movie, the only other movie I'd seen that in my limited experience and knowledge had done this to a point where I was aware of it was Romeo plus Juliet in uh, 1996 with Leonardo DiCaprio and Baz, Baz Luhrmann directing it. At some point, I might check it out with you. I think you might not enjoy it because of classic Shakespeare. Um, yeah. And you, you're you not a big fan of the Shakespearean uh, yeah. speech style. But it is intriguing because it takes a Renaissance play uh, and story and brings it into then-modern-day, uh, like... Verona Beach, and it's uh, it's a very postmodern movie. It's very different, and where that changed time periods and cultures, but still kept the truth of the story. This actually changed massive uh, details from the story, like no fairy godmother, no um, uh, if you're if you're changing it from the Disney story, no. She she's not uh, completely flawless as a character. Yeah. Um, and it shows the abuse side of it as well as like the, the reality of what they put her through. Yes, and it deals with the emotional yeah. side of that. So I I remember seeing it and appreciating it for those things. Yeah. Um, and. We'll talk more about the movie when we get into the movie itself, because we actually have to watch it. Right. Um, but those are the things I remember it for. I remember the actors and actresses that I mentioned. Yeah. Uh, I also remember Angelica Houston being a phenomenal evil stepmother. Yes. Um, but the, the changing of themes from the story that I knew... Uh, recontextualized it for me in a way that I really enjoyed. And then years later, I found out that there are tons of Cinderella stories, but mm-hmm. this is this is the one that they chose for this yeah. this film. So, you have anything else you want to say before we stop and actually just watch the movie? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, we're going to stop, watch the movie. This movie is available for purchase on most major uh, purchase uh, video on demand uh, sites. It is also available if you have the Star streaming service. So keep that in mind if you're wanting to watch this film. Uh, We will be back in just a moment for you and a couple hours for us.
right, so on this cold November evening as we watch, <laughs> as, we, as we just finished this movie, so I want to take you to task for something you said last week. Yes, please do. Um, saying that Drew Barrymore was the weakest link of this yeah. film. And I want to know what's up with that. Because yeah, I... <laughs> uh, I watched this movie and I have to be honest, I've seen a couple of bad Drew Barrymore movies. Um, this is definitely not one of them. And her performance in particular in this movie is actually probably one of the strong suits of this yeah. movie. So I want to know what you were remembering or what you were thinking about when you said that she was the weak link of this movie. Yeah, as I was watching it, I was trying to remember, like, what, what was I getting at? What am I remembering? Um, I just... I have memories of not liking the way she spoke, um, the way she pronounced some words and stuff, and I just, I couldn't find it in this, and I'm like, am I getting movies mixed up? What? Because this movie, like, I chose it because it's a movie I loved, and I always thought I loved it in spite of Drew Barrymore's acting in it. Mm-hmm. But her acting was flawless. I, I don't know that it's flawless, but it is... It is really, really, really good, and I would put it up there as far as her performances in most other movies and as far as her storylines in most other yeah. movies. I would put it up there top three, and she's really, really good in it. Yeah. So I think you you must have either misremembered or oh you were God. being in that petulant time of snobbery where you you pick one thing out even though it's not <laughs> that bad because as we discussed uh we we talked during movies and that's why we don't go to movie theaters that much <laughs> um but we talked about in in the movie i said well what was your problem with her and you and betsy's like i'm trying to figure it I'm out and i asked if it was her accent and you said it might have been at the time, but something we discussed while going through this movie is no one in this movie is using their own accent. Uh, Doug, Reese, Doug Reese Scott is Australian. Melanie Linsky is from New Zealand. Uh, Drew Barrymore is American. Several of the other actors are British. All of their characters are French in this yeah. movie, with the exception of... Leonardo da Vinci, who's Italian, <laughs> and everyone is doing a British, yeah. a, a bastardized British English, uh, accent. And so, watching this movie, no one's accent is perfect, but everyone's accent works because no one is speaking with their own accent. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as memories go in this, this movie, it's I've always loved it, but it's better. It was better than I remembered. So which is, is weird because I'm like, it's always been in my top tier of movies, and I'm like, wow. I I feel like watching this movie, and even watching, <laughs> you can chuckle a little bit watching Willow last week. <laughs> um, I I've been lamenting recently on the podcast the. 
the the downfall of the classic movie of the of the old movie and and how I feel like we're missing something now. And watching this movie, I definitely felt that. And I, I I'm trying to put my finger on it. I I don't like to complain. Uh, as much as I do it, uh, I I don't like to complain. I I actually like to constructively find ways to fix things and then fix them. And when I talk about movies not working the way they used to, I want to find a way that I can help make it better. Um, watching this today, I feel like if this movie was remade now the tendency would be to focus far too much on on the fact that it was a feminist telling and this movie is very uh, feminist and i'm actually i love it it's mm-hmm. it's fantastic um the prince is he's listless he doesn't have while he has motivations of his own, he is not the driving force in the story. He yeah. honestly is on the back foot most of the story. Um, the The character of Danielle, it, that is the correct yeah. name, right? Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I've got Cinderella stuck in the head, so I, I have to check. But anyhow, she is the driving force for what her character does. She moves the plot forward. And then when things happen to her, she gets herself out. Yeah. And She doesn't need somebody to res- rescue her. No, and when her friends come along to help her, she accepts their help, but she is still the driving yeah. force. And this movie works really well as a feminist story where I feel that today... If this movie is made, they lean on that to the point that the rest of the plot suffers. And yet, in the telling of this story, while the prince isn't the hero of the story, he is an important character. And in the flip-flopping of a a traditional uh, American film where you've got the romantic drama and you get the point of view of both love interests and and the man is the hero and the woman has her stuff too. This is the story of Danielle and the Prince Henry has his stuff too. Yeah. And both are compelling. You understand why Prince Henry is dealing with what he's dealing with, but at the same time, he's kind of a whiner and he's, he's kind of, you know, there. Yeah. Um, that said, Douglas Scott does a fantastic job in the role. Uh, Um, I think he's a spectacular, uh, foil and love interest for Drew Barrymore in this movie. Um, but I, I really like the interplay between all the characters. Something that shocked me, Watching the first 20 minutes of this movie, and even all the way through, is Angelica Houston is spectacular as the stepmother. (laughs) Um, She has layers upon layers in her portrayal in a way that 
I, I love the 2015 Kenneth Branagh remake of Cinderella. I love that movie. It's my favorite live-action Disney mm -hmm. remake. It's the best one, bar, bar none, in my opinion. Yeah. Just because it changes enough of the story to fit its own goals while being a compelling Cinderella story. I love all the performances in that movie. Yeah. Kate Blanchett is great as the stepmother in that movie. However, her stepmother is so one-note and hate-filled that this version of the character has layers to where there is always an ounce of regret behind every act of cruelty. Yeah. She still does it, and she still does it belligerently in this right. movie. And you're glad when she gets her comeuppance. Oh, yeah. But there is so much humanity behind every act that Angelica Houston does in this movie that at the moments where she's conniving and plotting, you're kind of, while you hate her for it, you're also like, you know, that was kind of smart. Uh, because she's she is a very human character yeah. and a lot of writing can easily go to caricature instead of character and this movie by and large there there are caricatures in this movie the uh the bad guy who uh buys Danielle oh, in the yeah. third act he so is creepy. he is a caricature yeah. He is a character. There is no motivation behind that guy other than I'm evil. Right. Um, but a lot of the other characters have three dimensions, and I really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, Marguerite's the other caricature in this movie yeah. uh, as the evil stepsister. Right. But a lot of the characters in this movie, there's a moment when uh, Jerome Crabb, who plays uh, uh, Danielle's father... When he dies, um, and Angelica Houston is running and just losing it, and she, in again, I'm I'm comparing Cinderella stories. I'm comparing the 2015 one to to this film. Yeah. In the 2015 film, Kate Blanchett is sad that her livelihood is gone. In this movie. Angelic Houston loses everything in that moment. Yeah. And then to add insult to injury, he looks only at his daughter, not at his right. wife. Right. And says, I love you. And then dies. Yeah. And on top of losing everything in that moment, she loses that one thing she had. She loses the love of her husband. Yeah. And even though realistically that's not what was happening from his point right. of view for her in that moment she lost the one thing she had and that is the birth it's on screen there's this yeah. great reaction that she you has watch... in that moment it is the birth of hate yeah you watch a switch flip inside of her as he does that all of a sudden she goes from being like this is my third child to mm -hmm. I'm going to ruin her life kind of thing. Like, yeah. she just took everything from me, and now I'm going to take everything from her. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, that's how it plays out. And that's, you just see that, you know, that switch. That, yeah, it's, it's, this, it's, it's this moment of... There's pure hatred. I, 
any ability I had to be maternal to this girl is gone yeah. now. She is my enemy. Yeah. And I, I'm a big fan of the Houston family. I love John Houston. Uh, he directed uh, the Maltese Falcon. Uh, he directed the uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Um, he was also the first Gandalf I ever uh, was aware of in the <laughs> Hobbit animated movie. Um, but Angelica Houston it, as Morticia Adams in the Adams Family yeah. movies. And then in this, she's in the most recent uh, John Wick movie um, as a, a assassin ballerina coach. Um, <laughs> it's just as wild as it sounds. Um I don't know that we'll ever do that with you and me on this podcast, yeah. but at some point we might do John Wick on this podcast. Um, she walks into each role that I've seen her in. Um, there's a uh, there's a movie from back in the mid-aughts called Seraphim Falls. Uh, it's a great revenge thriller, and she's in that movie in a very, very small role. And she's basically the devil. And these two men, one man is on the run for his life, the other man is on this quest for revenge, uh, come across her, and she basically demands um, the most valuable thing that that person has in exchange for the thing that that guy needs to do his next act. And she's, she's the devil in that movie, I say that just because her whole role is to buy the soul of, of that person mm -hmm. for the thing they need next. Yeah. And there is a gravitas, a personality, a depth that she brings to a role that's, I want to say, five minutes long. It is not long at all in that <laughs> film. And it's... It's a lot of heavy lifting. She is the antagonist of this film. Full stop. Yeah. Uh, you can you've got the scummy guy who's who's the the slum lord, but he's a secondary antagonist. He is not the primary antagonist of this yeah. movie. The primary antagonist of this movie is Angelica Houston as the stepmother, and then Marguerite is kind of not even a, sec a secondary or tertiary antagonist. She's like an appendage of the stepmother. Yeah. And she's almost used like a weapon by extension against Danielle. Yeah. And every time Marguerite does an act of cruelty, the stepmom is right behind coaxing her on. Yeah. It's never... And encouraging it. And... Yeah, well, it's almost never an act that Marguerite does on her own. I don't know if you noticed that watching this movie. It's never Marguerite and Danielle are alone in a room and do something. No. The stepmom is always right there pushing. Oh, I did not... Driving. Did not pull up the other. And, and just... She's manipulating this relationship and using all three the her two daughters and then Danielle against each other yeah. and this and this narcissistic um cruel just twisted chess match yeah and she's 
trying to move herself and her, her daughters up, but it's, again, it's brilliantly played. Yeah. And I want to go back to, to Drew Barrymore as Danielle. I like, this is a classic trope in fiction, but the, the farmer's daughter, um, who, the noble farmer's daughter, and she, her role is to take care of everyone in yeah. the town. Uh, she's very much a bell. She's very <laughs> much uh, um, the person that everyone trusts, everyone will go to and confide in. Um, and their greatest flaw is trust or hope. And that's that's their greatest flaw is that they they will look for the good in spite of the fact that the people that they are looking for the good in inevitably are going to harm them. Yeah. And it's a great trope. And um, Drew Barrymore brings a vulnerability. Um, it, it, it's a weird dichotomy that she walks into this role with because she's very vulnerable through the whole movie. She's emotionally vulnerable. She breaks down several times mm -hmm. uh, emotionally. But she also has a strength. And she's willing to fight whenever either her farm or her friends are threatened. And I love that in this in this movie, how she walks this fine line, and it's this tug of war. And even though, from a film standpoint, the stepmother is the antagonist, in Danielle's story, her antagonist is, is her own willingness to go beyond and do something for her because she's very selfless through the whole movie. Yeah. But by the end, she needs to take that one step to allow something to benefit her. And yeah. that one thing is saying yes to the prince at the yeah. end. That's the one thing she won't do until the very end of the movie. And it's, it's a great journey. It's, it's extremely well done. I, I have to say I didn't, this was a movie. It was a good movie, but it was a movie in my estimation. And watching this, and again, lamenting our current film slate of things where everything's a superhero genre or a IP sequel, to watch this movie that was basically just a, hey, here's a public domain story, let's do our own take on it. Yeah. And it come off this well is incredibly impressive, especially for 1998. Yeah. Um, it's not a great time in film. Even uh, the gentleman who uh, made this movie, Andy Tennant, he did a few movies, uh, some of which you really enjoy, um, like Sweet Home Alabama and uh -huh. Hitch. Um, but I would say objectively are not nearly as good films. Yeah. Whereas this, really from beginning to end, works. There are some funny things in this movie. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci is very British in this film <laughs> for an Italian inventor uh, and artist. Um, he walks on boat shoes. Um, and I was watching it and I was like, oh, that's neat. Until I realized he is walking on a platform barely submerged underwater. Because... Yeah. Um, uh, Boat shoes should sink slightly with each step, but he is literally his feet were landing at the same yeah, depth like, every step. Like there, there was there was no buoyancy. buoyancy. It was that's what I was looking for. It was all 
he was literally stepping. Yeah. And uh, it, that was a lot of fun. Um, the moment where I said, all right, sweetheart, don't look below the waist of the king or you will laugh. <laughs> yeah. Because he's got this very, and that's another thing I'll, I'll compliment in a, in a moment, but this is a period accurate film for, for the most part for costume and royalty wore hosiery. Uh, and he is wearing these teeny tiny little tights and these little booties. Uh, <laughs> After his royal top, and then just little oh, tights and booties, um, and uh, I I enjoy the aesthetic of this film. They actually shot around some actual French castles. Yeah. They use some matte paintings in points, specifically when they do the fireworks scene. That is definitely a matte painting with the fireworks behind yeah. it. Um, but I I enjoyed the aesthetics of this movie to the point where I'm. I'm watching it, and I'm like, man, I really need to play Assassin's Creed 2 again. <laughs> um, because it takes place around this time in uh, medieval Europe, and you actually interact with Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. Um, what else? What else did you enjoy about this so, movie? I'm talking way yeah. too much. What What did you enjoy about so this one movie? One of the things that I started paying attention to was Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. What's, what's her name? Melanie Linsky. Melanie Linsky. But I started paying attention to her from the beginning because even though she was one of the stepsisters and she was not abused in the same way Danielle was, she was still she pushed was a, aside. She was a scapegoat. Yeah. Anytime, like, it because everything was about Marguerite. And so as you watch it, Jacqueline was always upset when Danielle was getting dumped on. Yeah. Um, when they were like, and it's something I didn't know. Like, I remember there was a scene where, um, they were going in and trying on, trying, trying on, um, Danielle's dress and shoes the, the first time. And, um, they were like, she's not going to be invited to the ball. It's okay. You know, mm-hmm. but then she catches them in her room getting her things. And they're like, Oh, we just were airing these out for you to wear to the ball. Mm-hmm. And so I remember watching this in the past thinking, because then uh, Jacqueline would get, got upset and just kind of tossed the shoes on the bed and walked out. Yeah. And I always thought it was kind of, that she was just mad at, that they said she could go. I just never realized she was actually mad because they were lying to her and they were going to, whatever promises that was just made for her to be able to go, they were going to make that impossible for her to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, as it goes on, the more it goes on, the more Jacqueline's trying to find ways to help Danielle. Um, to the point that it's because of Jacqueline that the prince could find her. hmm And it's because of Jacqueline, um, the stepmother, um, gets her comeuppance in the end because of her being able to confirm the story yeah. of, like, you know, yeah, this is true. This is how she is treated. And when her mom says, Jacqueline, you wouldn't have anything to do with this. She's like, of course not. I'm just here for the food. Because that's what she would always tell her when she wanted to have the pretty dress or mm-hmm. whatever. You don't have to worry about it. You're just going for the food. 
Yeah, and because she was not the she was not the favored child. Yeah. And while she wasn't the object, the object of scorn, she was neglected. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But, what? But I, I just I really felt like she was in some ways the un, unsung hero of mm-hmm. of that. What else stood out to you in this movie? Um. I like that, like, when the prince was getting ready to get married to the Spanish girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just the, the princess. The princess. You know, and when he, he was like, in the end of this, he's just like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Because she's falling apart because she loves someone else and mm-hmm. she's being forced to do this. He doesn't want to do this. Um, and just, <laughs> just the reactions between... <laughs> Like, his parents, and how they just burst out laughing, realizing that they are no different than the king and queen of Spain, and they all have their own problems. Like, <laughs> that, just, yeah. that just kind of tickles me, the way they just sit back and start laughing, because they thought they had their problems, but then they look and say, like, wait a minute. Now, there, there are a few historical inaccuracies in oh, this, yeah. um, but... Uh, that was the one scene where I was like, you know, everybody goes to war after this, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, cause you, you did not sign a treaty that the dotted line was a marriage and then just not. Yeah. But, but no, I don't know. I just, I just love this movie and I'm really, I'm really glad that I chose this as my first pick for like movies that I'm thankful for that. We got to go back and revisit it. It's been so many years since I've seen it. I don't remember the last time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's honestly, it's better than I remembered. And I remember loving it. Like, yeah. it's it's always been a favorite of mine. I was 18 years old when it came out. No, no, I'm very old now. But um, I just, you know, I don't know. I was, I've always loved it since I first saw it. And it's. I like it even more now. I don't know. Okay. You, I'm very, now. Very, <laughs> you're very thankful. I'm very thankful for this movie. <laughs> okay. Is that all you got to say about I it? I think it is. Okay. <laughs> I I enjoyed it as well. This this was a very pleasant surprise for me. Again, I thought it would be good. I did not think I would enjoy it as much as I did. Yeah. So. I, I was hoping that I would, we wanted to sit here and watch it, and I was being like, oh, man, I wish I had chose something else, so this isn't holding up. But no, as I watched it, like I said, I couldn't find the flaws that I that was there that I've always talked about. I like this movie, but I don't like Drew Barrymore in this movie. Because now I'm watching it, I'm like, she was phenomenal. I don't know what my problem she was. Might, she might be the best part of this yeah. movie. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. So, with that said, now we've got to talk about what next week is going to be. Uh-huh. So, next week, I... Had a couple in my back pocket that I was rotating through. A third one, uh, uh, one entered in as I was going through the process of what I was going to pick as my last movie I'm grateful for uh, for the month of November. And for the month of November, next week, we will be talking about Staying in the Renaissance, A Knight's Tale, 2001. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, starring the late, great Heath Ledger. Um We'll be talking about that. It's available a lot of different places, um, but um, I can't wait. It is it is a personal favorite, and it is one that I'm most definitely thankful for. Right. So, 
We will be back next week uh, with more favorite things. We hope you'll join us. Please drop us a like on your podcast uh, app of choice. Uh, And if you don't like us, uh, please uh, recommend us to your enemies. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for staying with us. We'll be back next week with more favorite things. Bye.